Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Max Carlin. Max, how's it going? I am disoriented because we're recording the intro <laughs> to part two after we recorded the outro to part two after we recorded, or sorry, that was the first thing we recorded, and then we recorded the outro to part one, and now we're recording the intro to part two, so I am confused. But it all sounds uh, like one cohesive product because of the magic of audition and post and post production, (laughs) and and the and the efforts of of uh, the wonderful Ben Pfeiffer. (laughs) Thank you, Max. Uh, Ross, how are you? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, um, I'm I'm doing well. How are you guys? (laughs) (laughs) We're we're having a nice afternoon. Yeah, Ross, we we are. As we introduced, uh, we're joined, uh, just like in part one, by this Deppian Zone, Ross Homan, the foremost high school basketball guy on draft Twitter. Um, you can follow him at Ross underscore Homan one. So yeah, um, because he's here, um, we're going to keep talking about this G League select team and you know keep talking about what it means for them and what it's going to be like uh, you know in the future right now. So let's get back into it. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners over at BetOnline.ag. The sports world is slowly making its way back with the NBA announcing its return in late July. But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play, and BetOnline has the best odds slash lines for their best upcoming games and matches. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit BetOnline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. Um, yeah, so, um, no, go ahead, Ross. Uh, no, sorry, you go. I, I pretty much just echo what you guys say. Okay, so um, I mean, I, what I wanted to talk about a little bit uh to finish up this conversation is the future of this G league select program. Uh, so what do you think that we're going to see going forward? Um, like Ross, do you think we'll see more teams and they'll take the approach of this is the Kuminga team. This is the Jalen green team. I guess, you know, that won't be for this year, but you know, this is the AJ Griffin team. This is the Paolo Bunkero team. Like, <laughs> I think that's possible, but I also do think that they need to be a little more selective. Um, and and it, it was tough with this year because it all kind of just got put together um, after a lot of kids were already committed places. Uh, so there was a little bit of scrambling involved, it seemed like, this year. 
but um i mean you can you can build good groups like in every single class you can build good teams with these guys um and i think like having two high level guys isn't bad as long as you don't have like a third ball dominant guy like i'm fine with coming and green on the same team but Nick's coming in is where it really starts to get kind of cloudy um because you can you can stagger to like top level guys and you know you can each can get them their reps but um it, it they definitely do need to be a little bit more selective and be a little bit more more worried about team fit because um obviously like um you guys have been saying like the wins aren't the main objective but develop like team fit matters with development too like you want to make sure these guys are in the best possible positions to learn and succeed and do what they need to do yeah i mean i fear you know maybe the only way they really you know prioritize deeper scouting and team fit is like i mean i mean cause, i mean because like what what happens you know if this program if you know if these players fail you know if this developmental system for whatever reason doesn't work and these and these players aren't positive nba players i mean not even just for you know some of these prospects, you know, like Todd and Soto, who are most definitely not in, you know, the strongest developmental systems for themselves. But again, for the league, if if these players don't perform well and, you know, this investment doesn't really work out, what are the ramifications there? Um, so, again, I mean, again, just like having better scouting and, and better team fit will better, uh, like, will limit the chance of that. But still, you know, like what happens if, if this just fails. like, And that gets at a very important question. What happens? I mean, let's, let's like adopt a hypothetical that seems pretty likely that Todd is bad uh, and is not worthy of being drafted. Uh, like what is he able to do from here? Is this a situation where he can play another year with the G league select team? Because, you know, for a, for a normal prospect going through normal, uh, a normal avenue to the NBA, either international or through college, you have, you don't have to declare for the draft the first time you're eligible. You'll have guys like Malcolm Castle on this year who, you know, decide that they don't want to come out. You'll have guys in, in the NCAA uh, like Scotty Lewis who do decide that they don't want to come out even. And those are guys who, who may have been drafted or were on the fringe. Um, you have guys who who neglect to come out. So is that going to be an option available to Isaiah Todd if he if he does not live up to what seems the NBA's expectations of him are? Like, do we? I, I don't know if there's been any word on that, but that's a pretty important question. I mean, if I were a prospect going to this situation, that would be a question that I would want to know the answer to. And I know that that people, especially in in professional sports people think highly of their own abilities and and don't really necessarily have a lot of self-doubt but that seems like something that would be really essential to know that like what's what's the backup plan if this doesn't work out i think if i had to guess the next step would probably be like just the two-way deal um i mean we've seen it since the two-way was introduced that uh like high profile high school ranks will get you a two-way deal like teams will still talk themselves into potentially having that upside um so they'll be willing to invest that uh so if i had to guess i feel like that would be the next step for these guys that underperform on the uh, select team 
Yeah, and I guess that that comes back to just the expansion of the overall program. Because you know, if they have multiple teams, then you know, if Isaiah Todd, let's say, fails in his first year, maybe he can try again with you know, maybe a G League select program with three teams or, or four teams. You know, but there's just a lot more slots. I mean, I don't know how realistic that is. But, but is is are they still going to be giving him a quarter of a million yeah, dollars? Whatever probably, they're giving probably, him, probably probably not. And that's the thing. I mean, I mean, again, like if I, if this guy has to improve the scouting you know just just for the financial side because you know figure like it's just not a good investment in terms of money but yeah i mean they i, I mean I, i'm not sure what choice you'd have but uh, other than you know taking a pay cut if they offered him i mean i guess you could try to like go play overseas and like get a deal there but the question is like what caliber of league is going to be interested in an 18 year old who failed in like like in like an 18 year old development context so and like I, they're, they're certainly not going to be able to go back to college. That's not an option. That I, that's almost certainly not going to be an option. Um, so yeah, I mean, and I, I guess like yeah, I mean, I think two way trying to like find themselves a spot in the G League. Maybe maybe if it's not even two way, but trying to find their way onto a G League roster is probably like the next step of the pipeline. But you know, because like, like that's like a very real thing. Like like prospects like are inevitably going to fail. Like that's that's just how the draft and how youth scouting works not all prospects turn out and that's you know something that I, I, i'm sure the, the the nba has to consider that because that's, that's just a part of basketball so again it's going to be very interesting to see what what they end up doing for these guys and you know how long we have to wait to, to see what happens to, to these prospects given the very evident structural flaws in this uh ross do you think that this G League Select program is the long-term answer, or do you think it's the bridge to something until one and done is formally eradicated and some sort of more sensible uh, youth development program is put into place in this country? Um, I think it has the bones to be something good. I don't know if they'll be able to make it something good um it's just really hard to get high level players at that age on one team together and make it work especially from a development standpoint um but it seems like i guess like the one thing to point towards positivity is that it seems like the nba is pretty invested in this and willing to do a lot financially to make it work um so i I feel like I could see this being a thing for a little while here, and I, I do think that it eventually will succeed. Obviously, it's going to take some trial and error, um, and it's never going to be perfect, but I do think it could be a viable stopgap for kids, yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I wonder if if this eventually is going to lead to just like a continued expansion of the G League as like a minor league type of system, which is really what I'm looking at here, because I... I, this just doesn't seem like a sustainable practice, at least you know in in, in you know in its own form. Of course, like like we talked about you know on on this episode, you know we could see it take a lot of different ways that, that would make it more sustainable. But you know, turning into maybe maybe like a European style soccer clubs have you know academies where they bring up very young kids like throughout, you know, just like making that all under the NBA. You know, no, I mean, I mean the NBA wants basketball everywhere to be under the nba so i mean if they they can start with you know making you know these, these top high school prospects won't, won't play as much with their high school or or you know with their aau teams where they can play they can play in g league academies where you know they're brought up through the nba and then eventually you know become draft eligible and can 
enter the NBA through the normal way or through a different type of way. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's my guess as to what happens in the future. Some sort of expansion of the minor league system, which I think is like has already shown positive positive results with the two way system, um, and you know with what they've done so far. And I can only imagine they're going to want to keep keep growing the G League. Um, so yeah, I think this that's probably what my guess would be. Um, obviously, it's going to depend a lot on the success and the failure of the program in the first couple of years. I think this buffer year is pretty desirable for NBA teams where they're not just trying to draft guys out of high school again, because that's really hard to do. Uh, you like It's really hard to get a constant competition level. It's really hard to get uh, any sort of accurate stat keeping. Even it can be hard to find film. Uh, so it's, I don't think that it's desirable for the NBA to be trying to pluck kids out of high school again, which is why I do think that something like this, where they have like, not where they have a G league year where guys are playing in a more controlled and, uh, and equal context, I think makes sense. Uh, I think if you had a whole bunch of, of regional teams like this, where, where you, you can have a, a situation then that it's a it's a much easier transition for kids who get to stay like broadly in their home areas. You get teams that are more logically constructed, uh, and you have them maybe play entire like play within that league itself, and then maybe some exhibition games against normal G League teams or something along those lines. Or maybe if maybe if you have enough of these teams, you could do like an AAU season. Basically, uh, I think that that would just like make an, some just sense. like an expanded minor league kind of thing. Yeah, 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 but not connected, not connected to any one team. Yeah, not I'm, like I'm th- affiliated with teams, but like yeah, under I'm, the I'm really thinking like NBA. Yeah, I'm thinking like yeah. really like an NBA run AAU season, and they have one, they have one season of that before draft eligibility. But then I don't really know what you do with with kids who aren't good enough to get drafted and don't want to declare. Like that's it's a really weird position to be putting eighteen year olds in that like this is their year to perform and get drafted. And if they yeah. don't perform, what happens to them? And I guess like that's where I mean, an expansion of the G League comes, you know, providing more options for them to continue playing, but not, you know, in this AAU select kind of thing, you know, it, just in like more levels of the G League. And I think, you know, just rookies playing in, more rookies going in the G League and spending time down there it, it is good for them because, you know, NBA rookies are generally not good at basketball or not good at NBA basketball. Uh, most of them are not like ready to contribute as much as they're asked too often. So I think just more development time is, is good. So, Yeah. In evaluating this specific team, assuming that it's one team, uh, Ross, what are you like, how much are you going to defer to your prior sample on green and Kuminga? Like if, if, if this team is a disaster and uh, like, it's just a really weird context to evaluate or, well, n- not in the case that games don't happen, but just it's it's a, the team's kind of a disaster, and Green and Kuminga look fairly questionable. Like, how much will you defer to the the prior on that? Um, I think that the main things I'll be looking for are skill development, um, how much the jumper looks better, uh, any additional like handle moves, dribbling, physical development, and then I would probably if it is truly like pretty tough to pick from a not good basketball, I would probably lean towards what I have seen in the past in terms of uh, like IQ and awareness wise. Uh, 
So I, I try I try to balance out what I would take from each because there's definitely like even in bad basketball there's definitely things you can see from prospects that are either developing or not developing. But um, I, I try to balance it, um, it but it, it would definitely be not easy. Yeah, it's going to be a difficult, you know, if if it's bad basketball or or if there's injuries, you know, I think, yeah, I, I think prior sample is going to be have to is going to have to be relied on. I mean, there's really not much of an option because, I mean, I, let's say like Kaminga or Green are, are like catastrophically bad. I mean, I I just don't think it's fair. Um, I mean, I I mean, it's going to depend on, on like how and why they're bad and you know what goes wrong. I, I think I think there's there's a lot of scenarios and a lot of worlds where. The, the fit is just untenable, and then you know their their UIBL or their high school sample is just a more representative uh, look at what kind of player they actually are and what kind of ceilings they actually have. So. Yeah, I think one one really big problem though is like we don't have any frame of reference for this. Like we don't know what good finishing numbers are for an eighteen year old playing on a select team in the G League. Like we we don't know what that is. And so, yeah, there's an eye element to that, to determining whether or not a guy is a good finisher, but like for um, Anthony Edwards, you can go pull up his synergy page and see what he shot around the basket in the half court. And you have a frame of reference of uh, tons and tons and tons of, of prospect seasons to compare that to. You have a frame of reference to uh, of guys, you know, in the sec to compare that to. Um but for this, like, we really don't know. There's nothing, there's no point of comparison. So even finding a way to anchor what we see in this, in the, with this select team is going to be really difficult. I mean, beyond just, like, stats, like, how do you even know that the G League teams that they're playing exhibition games against will care at all? Like, I, I don't know that a, a G League team is going to care about these exhibition games. And I guess you could say that maybe some of these guys will take pride in, in, you know, putting these young guys in their place, but I don't know that that's the case. They might just not care at all because they're like, ultimately people don't care that much about games that don't count. Yeah. Um, I think that there might be some goodness in taking in like comparing these guys' numbers to like, people that are on two ways just out of college like Jalen Adams or like Kyle Guy or somebody like that but yeah it's 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 definitely going to take a few years of this happening if it does happen for the next few years to get like a full frame of reference on um, like what is good and what is not. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners over at betonline.ag. The sports world is slowly making its way back with the NBA announcing its return in late July. But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play, and BetOnline has the best odds slash lines for their best upcoming games and matches. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit BetOnline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. Oh no! Those are the screams I used to make when I would cut myself shaving before I knew about Manscaped. Thank you Manscaped for turning my loud shrieks into multiple peaks. 
Men, start taking notes because Manscaped accidents are finally a thing of the past. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully, beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. This is their third generation trimmer, featuring advanced skin safe technology so you keep your bad boys nice and smooth. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The water resistant technology allows you to shave in the shower too. One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for closer and more precise trimming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code armchair. Your balls will thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Is is that enough now on the G League Select team? Should we get into some guys who have who have popped recently? Um, all right. But before we like did that, um, I briefly thought we should touch on you know Baylor has had a, a big last couple of days in, in recruiting for their twenty twenty one class. They snagged uh, at, like top twenty five RSCI Langston Love from Montverde and Jeremy Sochan out of La Lumiere. So um, we have the foremost uh, high school basketball guy on the podcast today. So I thought might as well take advantage and get some thoughts on both of these guys and their situation at Baylor. So Ross. Um, would you mind talking about Love and Sochan and talking about their situation at Baylor and what this means for them? Yeah, so um, I liked Love a lot last summer. Uh, I've cooled on him a little bit just because lack of physical tools. He's like 6'3"-ish. He's super stocky and strong, but he's like 6'3"-ish with near like an even wingspan and uh, just more of like an okay athlete rather than a good one but um just incredible touch and like a really really good shot maker and uses a strength well to finish so i like him a good bit at baylor because they give a lot of like free ranks to their guards and it's a pretty like forgiving offense and i think he'll become and grow into a really good shot maker there um so i like that fit a lot and then Soshan is one of my favorite underrated guys in this class i don't think he's even in, like, the top 70-ish anywhere. Um, I could be wrong on that, but I, I know for sure he's not in, like, the top 50 anywhere. Uh, but he was really, really good. And the granted, it was the B division of FIBA, but he was really, really good. Uh, in the 18U, he won tournament MVP. He was super down on both ends of the floor. And then he was pretty good for Lalu last year. Just as a, He played five for them a lot, so it – kind of hurt him offensively you just didn't get to see a ton from him and they had a lot of really good guards and wings that um had really high usages for that team but you saw him defensively be able to play really well at the five uh he's more before he's kind of similar to like a poor man scotty barnes almost where he's got a really good length uh moves pretty well for a size a strong good secondary rim protector um and then i like his passing a lot the make or break with him is whether or not he's going to be a shooter but i do think both of them have pretty legit one and done potential yeah and sochan sochan is not in the top 100 for, for espn's most latest 2020 ranking so yeah it seems like um a very good haul for baylor and something to watch going forward so i think with that we can get into catching eye so max you want to talk about your people that you're going to talk about today uh sure i can go first the only guy i had to talk about was was uh the love of my life Killian Hayes. Um <laughs> I would, I, wa- <laughs> I I rewatched recently uh the I think it's Beirut game from or Beirut, I don't know, from late February. 
And it's just such an unbelievable defensive performance. Um, the the thing that's that's always under discussed with him is his frame and how ridiculous he is physically at six five with a six eight wingspan with like plus strength already playing against grown men in Germany. Um, but he's going to be such an overwhelming point of attack defender. Like the way that he swallows guys up on the ball and just swats shots is kind of like mean spirited. Uh, but off the ball, man, he is so good in so many different roles. Like he can be in the weak side corner and mess stuff up like on the helpline and then recover all the way to the corner and shut down a drive and, and like force a turnover. He can um, like work, work at the nail and deter drives and swipe steals with digs. And then just how freaking smart this guy is like that one play uh, from that game is, is my favorite prospect play of the year that they're running a sideline out of bounds. And he, he diagnoses that it's going to be a lob play and just steps in front of it and pick and plucks the pass and runs out for a wide open dunk. It's so brilliant. He's so smart. I adore watching him play. Uh, and I think he's going to be a very good NBA defensive player. Yeah, Killian Hayes is very, very good. Um, the fact that he's probably going to be like a pick in the seven, like tennis range is is kind of insane. Oh, man. Oh, that's wild. Oh, he's just he's so <laughs> good. How could you watch a guy who's that good, that smart, and has gotten that much better over the last year and not want to take him? him. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's it's kind of crazy to me like he's he is insanely young insanely good he like he fits exactly what you want in a not in both like a lead guard and kind of like i guess a lead guard who who's more of your your second option um who i think does have have some more potential like to, to you know be more than that if if his athletic improvements continue depending on what level of shot maker he hits, but just the, what he offers on the defensive end, what he offers in that team building perspective on top of being the intellect that he is with the functionality as a passer that he has, uh, he's just, he's exceptional. Uh, He's a tier one player uh, and I love him. All right, so um, Ross, are there any guys you want to talk about that you've watched recently that have caught your eye that you'd like to speak about? Um, I just I, mean, I just wrote someone stepping about uh, Pat Baldwin Jr., Peyton Watson, and Casey Wallace. If anybody wants to read that, um, I guess I'll ramble on Casey Wall- Wallace for a bit because uh, so he he's a 2022 high school guy, so I'm pretty far ahead of myself right now but um him being like unranked and granted most of these places only go back to either 75 or 100 at that age group right now but him being unranked kind of just pisses me off Uh, (laughs) i mean he 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 played up in eybo last year a lot of that high school class played in u15s and he played in u16s and was really really good in u16s um he plays in texas so he plays a lot of really good players. Uh, he played like Micah Peavy last year, Arterio Morris. He plays consistent D1 players in high school. And again, really, really good. Uh, but I think he's a pretty easy five-star and probably going to be a one-and-done first-round pick. Um, 
in I guess in three years, uh, which is pretty <laughs> far ahead. But um, yeah, so I, I've just been watching a lot of high school recently. So I'll let you go, Ben. Sure. Um, so I've also been watching a lot of you know, younger high school, which is why I'm I'm excited to be with Ross on because you know I also wanted to talk about Peyton Watson, who I know, I know Ross wrote about, who I've watched a lot of recently and been really impressed about. Uh, so I'll give the quick Peyton Watson spiel and why I think he's uh, very underrated and probably like a top six ish kind of prospects in this class to me. I'm not sure where that take stands in terms on the the temperature spectrum, but he's very good. So yeah, Watson, um, six foot seven ish wing type. Just a really impressive shooter shot maker. Also has great touch all over the floor, um, like great footwork off movement, tons of shot making flashes, pulling up over guys, step backs, just a beautiful shot. Um, it has a really, really high shooting ceiling. And then his, like his fluidity as a driver is kind of incredible. He, he's not super bursty and he's not like explosive, which is one of the main knocks on him. But like he's not a bad athlete, and like the handle at his size, like it, it's deceptive. He gets low to the ground. He's a super fluid and crafty driver. I mean, he has like a weird habit of like where he always pretty much prefers driving left, biting a righty. Um, but super technically good as a driver, considering how young he is. Um, I'm pretty sure not, he's not young for the class, but he's again like in the grand scheme of things, he's a 17 year old, uh, like six seven wing who is an impressive impressive handler, an impressive driver. The passing, I mean, the decision making is pretty good. Like he. Despite being a guy who like can get forty whenever he wants against a lot of this high school competition, like he's knows how to play within the like within a team structure, make move the ball off the ball, and like again he, he misses high level reads and he's, he's passing is a weakness I think especially like on the move on ball passing, but you know as a decision maker he's he's definitely passable and good enough. And then defensively he tries so incredibly hard even when his teams are destroying opponents. Um, and then like, like super, super long, probably like plus five, six, I don't know, plus six, plus four to five to my eye. Um, I haven't seen, I haven't seen a measurement on his wingspan, really impressive, super smart defensively with his instincts, protecting the rim, making rotations, gave good on ball too. gave Josh Christopher, uh, a top recruit in 2020, a lot of problems. So yeah, someone who I haven't seen a lot of only like three games, I think. Um, but someone who like is in my very limited sample of 2022 draft, the guy who I'm going to be pretty high on, uh, at least at the moment. And then I, I know someone Ross likes, so I'm excited to get thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, he's basically echoing everything you said. He's really good. Um, he has he has incredible stride length in the half court, um, and it, it gets him to the rim very fast and very easily. And he has really good touch around the rim with, pretty uh creative ways to get a shot off around there um he's he's definitely a really high upside guy and there's like a the that draft the 2022 draft is going to have an amazing amount of wing sized um shooters really good players yeah like between um obviously aj and then Peyton Watson and uh Baldwin and like Jabari Smith and it's it's a really really impressive group of like seven or eight top guys in that uh, class, and I'm I'm pretty excited for it. Um, also, just going back real quick to players we've been watching recently. Um, I wanted to kind of spew some more thoughts on DJ Stewart, who I've watched. I've rewatched like a ton of Stewart games lately. Uh, and I was going to write about him, but I don't think I'll have time in the near future. Um. And I'll never fault a kid for, like, 
going to college wherever he wants because, you know, that's a personal choice. But uh, from a fan standpoint and, like, an evaluator standpoint, him at Duke is probably my least favorite thing in this whole next class. Um, I I really do think he has legit point guard upside, and there's no chance he's going to get the opportunity to show that at Duke next year with, like, Roach coming in and then obviously Jalen Johnson. And then even, like, I know Kay will play Goldwire point before he plays Stewart, and it's going to really piss me off. But, um, but yeah, I, I do think, like, the growth that he took as a playmaker – was really impressive to me. He's put on a lot of weight and has been a lot more willing to initiate contact near the rim. And I think he's really, really underrated for this class. I know some people are high on him as well. So it's not like not everybody's overlooking him, obviously. But um, I just kind of wanted to talk about how I'm, I've become like really, really high on him recently, maybe even late in the lotto type guy. But I don't think he'll get the chance to kind of show that and it's going to annoy me. Yeah. I'm when also... do you think the, uh, when do you think the major progression came with him? Was it, was it like later in this high school season? I, so he started off the first game against Morgan Park against like Adam Miller and Brandon Weston and uh, Marcus Watson, all D1 Matt Curvin guys. Uh, he was playing a little bit more off ball because at Whitney Young, he has Tyler Beard, who's going to Georgetown, who's technically a point guard. Um, but I, I also just – I rewatched a lot of the EYBL tape, and he made a lot of really good reads that he just flat out could not make the pass because he was like 140 freaking pounds. And it would go like he – just, he just had absolutely no strength to make like one-handed passes he was trying to make. And he added strength throughout the high school season and he started making a little bit more one-handed passes that actually got to the target. He started throwing, like, on the, off the dribble, like, left-handed one passes. Um, so it's not he's, – he's definitely more of an upside guy as a point guard, but I definitely do think he's – I think his vision overall is underrated. Yeah, I'm also a big fan of Stewart, and I'm, like, high on him, but not – I think I have – like, he's probably going to be, like – late teens, early twenties kind of range for me. Um, like, like Ross said, Stewart is, is, is really, really excellent. Um, and I mean, just aside from the point guard skills, which, which Ross has already talked about, he's just an awesome off ball player, really incredible movement shooter, incredible touch has like a maxi kind of floater. I don't know, like is, is so good um, in that off ball, like movement player kind of role. Um, and then he's like pretty smart defensively too. So yeah, I mean, I also love DJ Stewart and I'm disappointed that he's, going to be relegated to like a spot up shooter in the corner at at Duke with all likelihood. But yeah, DJ Stewart's a really cool prospect. Yeah. I'd need to see more to see like to what extent I buy the point guard skills. I'm just so like it kind of along the lines of our stuff last week with PD. I'm just so terrified now of, of like poor physical uh, guards who, who, whose appeal come as shooters. I mean, like Stewart has more of the intermediate game, like like Ben mentioned, like crazy runner guy. But yeah, I'm I'm scared of the that style of prospect right now. I w- I will say that um he he added a decent bit of muscle and he would he's it's still a flaw, but he would initiate a little more contact. And I do think that if you put like if you put somebody from point A to point B in a sprint, I think he might be the fastest player in that class. He it, like his his startup speed is really incredible to me. 
Yeah. No, yeah. he's an interesting player. And yeah. I think Duke is going to be pretty frustrating to watch next year. Yeah. Solid chance. It, it, at the very least, yeah. it's going to be weird because that is a, that is, that's an odd roster. I'm fascinated to see what actually happens. But yeah. yeah um, I'll go to my next guy. I, um, there's more 2022 players. Um, talk about uh, Jean Montero, uh, Dominican point guard, uh, plays with Gran Canaria in um, the Spanish leagues. Is like like another like a top top prospect in that class. Uh, just just a ridiculous handler. Um, so incredibly shifty and quick. Um, like like strings gonna moves effortlessly in and outs crosses step backs and then that couples with his like in my opinion, truly elite shooting potential, like the free throw numbers, the, the three-point attempt rate, uh, even the, the three-point numbers have, have, are just all incredible um, throughout all of his competitions. He shoots a smooth ball, comfortable well, well in the NBA range, off the dribble. And like those two things combined, you know, make for like a really enticing initiator bet. Um, and again, like the big issues with him are when his frame is kind of bad, it's like six foot three, like maybe plus one wingspan, skinny. And then he's not a great decision maker, though he has some vision. And I think, you know, like, like he, he is um, as dominant as youth players come. I mean, like he dropped multiple, like almost 50 point games in FIBA U16, dominated um, ANGT at times, like at every dominated, you know, I think it's 15 or 16 UIBL, incredibly dominant youth player. And then had like success, I think even more success as like a facilitator playing in, you know, the Barcelona or the Spanish third division, which is the same division as Bomaro, um, lots of success there. I think like the passing is even better there in like the few games I've seen um, compared to like the the youth the youth level games. And again, like the decision making is a concern, but he has real vision. Um, nothing super advanced, but he's capable of basic passes. Um, and like like he's so crafty in the pick and roll. Like he like he has this move he does all the time where he'll like accelerate hard one way and then like one way towards the screen and then quick behind the back or cross to reject the screen and send his defender flying into the screen. He's so 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 manipulative, just toys with defenders. And defensive, like I said, the frame is an issue, but he's smart, has always had good steal rates and you know, makes plays off the ball. So yeah, um a guy who I'm looking at as like a top four, five-ish kind of prospect for 2022. Again, not really set on where I'm gonna rank him or anything, but one of my favorite guys to watch and someone who's gonna be really, really, really good, I think. So I actually think he's really underrated defensively from like a broad scheme of where people view him. Yeah, I mean he has like again, like the frame is a concern, but he is like quite active and and makes yeah, a lot really of plays off the wall. Yeah. And I mean just like I like I've I've been impressed. I mean like in like the again, like Spanish third third division isn't like a great league, but like the extent to which he's willing to be physical with like grown men it is impressive to me considering he is he was 16. He turned 17 like 14 days ago. Um so he's crazy young too, which is just equally impressive for how good he is. Yeah, and then I, I mean, I, I was, you know, I have one more guy I, I want to talk about, and we have time because why not? Um, I'll talk about uh, Yannick and Zosa. Could have butchered that. I think I got it right. Um, uh, like 16 year old, uh, Europe, um, international center prospect for 2022 as well. Just like one of the more ridiculous big man, pro- big man defense prospects I've seen. Um, besides just like true seven footer with like a crazy standing reach and wingspan. Um, incredible timing, protecting the rim, verticality, not fouling, contesting guys with length. Even though he's super skinny, you know, he still has like contests with big guys because of how great his timing on blocks is. And he doesn't foul 
And then mobility wise, you know, just agility in the open court and then being able to move laterally with, with, with some smalls. It's, it's really, really special stuff. And, you know, he also doesn't turn 17 until the end of November, which is pretty, pretty ridiculous. And then the big concerns for me are offensively. Like I have no idea what he's going to do offensively um, because he's super weak. He misses like more layups around the rim than any seven footer should, should miss. Um, has some flashes of like straight line dribbling and like mid range shooting, but none of that is bankable. But again, like, like, the, like the strength can develop a lot and that'll help him. Yeah. Just like a really special defensive prospect at, at like that age. He, um, and I'm, I'm stealing this from, uh, Mike Gribbenov, but he, he definitely has some Mobley comparisons too, with just like his athleticism and then what he can do defensively when he's locked in. To be clear, that's Evan Mobley, not not Evan, not yeah. not yeah, helping him yeah. athletically to Isaiah Mobley, which would yeah, not be no, a good yeah. thing. No, that would be yeah. um, an unfortunate comparison for for everyone involved. <laughs> <laughs> but we all, but we love Isaiah Mobley, and 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 you should go listen to our last week's episode um, where we talked about Mobley and a bunch of other guys. So. With that, Ben, should we probably uh, probably call it on this one? Yeah, I think that that's going to be it for us. Again, thank you so much to Ross um, for coming on to to talk with us and share his expertise. We love talking with him. Like he kind of mentioned, he wrote a great piece at the Stepien on you know Patrick Baldwin, Casey Wallace, and Peyton Watson. So you all should go read that. Uh, read about a couple players who aren't going to be in the NBA for a solid three years, but still, it's very it's, it's very worth your time and very on brand for this podcast. Uh, so Ross, is there anything that is there anything else that you'd like to plug? Um, no, not at the moment. Just, uh, if you guys want to follow me on Twitter, Ross underscore Holman one, um, I might do a DJ Stewart piece to be determined, but other than that, just waiting right now. All right. So go follow Ross. Um, he deserves all of the followers and all of the good things. So yeah. Um, once again, thank you all for listening to this episode, to this episode, which will be the end of part two for all of you. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore. Follow Max at Max A. Carlin. Follow the pod at Prep Number Two Pro Pod um, on Twitter. Again, keep leaving reviews. Very helpful. We appreciate. We're at past, well past 100 reviews at this point. So th- that's really awesome. Thank you all so much for that. And unless there's anything else that any of you two want to say, uh, I think we're good to wrap it up. Yep. All right. Yeah, uh, thanks for having thank, me, guys. Thank you all for listening and have a beautiful day.